Welcome to the Hiker Trash Podcast. This is a project of Local Exposure Magazine. My name is Ronnie Pettit, and I'm your host. The Hiker Trash Project began with my curiosity about why people through hike the Appalachian Trail, or any long trail. I wondered why they do it, what they gain from it, and how that experience might manifest itself in their life after the trail. I spent an entire year following, photographing, and interviewing through hikers on the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine and all the way back to Georgia. I put all that, those interviews and photographs, into a 200-page coffee table book. And now we're going to continue the project as a podcast. So listen along as we track down some of the people we met along the way and interview new hikers and find out, did that experience change them or... Did it simply provide the context to reveal who they already are? You can find out more about Local Exposure Magazine on the internet at localexposuremagazine.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at local.exposure.magazine. The intro music for today's episode was provided by Scott Lowe. He's a Northeast Georgia-based singer-songwriter. You can find him on Instagram at Songs. Today's episode, we are near Blairsville, Georgia, with Maverick. Say hello, Maverick. Hey, everybody. It's Maverick. <laughs> Maverick. <laughs> What's your government name? Do you use it? Maverick. Maverick. Yeah. I don't have a government name anymore. I'm a through hiker. <laughs> I mean, those don't exist. <laughs> uh, that's true. Well, tell me about your uh, tell me about your trail name because I've never asked you, and I. I have an idea, but I don't even want to say it. I want to hear you tell me. Well, it, it actually it doesn't have anything to do with Top Gun. It uh, doesn't. No, it that's doesn't. What, that's what I thought. I thought, ah, oh, he looks kind of like Tom Cruise. Yeah, no, I thanks. I appreciate that, but uh, no, it doesn't have anything to do with Top Gun. It's uh, it actually has to do with uh, what is now the Grove Hostel over in Franklin, North Carolina. Um, so for any future through hikers out there, definitely check them out. Um, they actually have new ownership now. Yeah, and they're um, in the process of remodeling right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, excited about that. I actually through hiked with Newfound. The She and her partner oh. are the ones who, yeah. So I didn't hike around her a lot, but I've met her a couple times. Super nice. Like I'm, I was thrilled, honestly, when I found out that they – had bought the place and we're and we're kind of flipping it. Yeah, uh, I want to get them on a podcast, but they're busy right now. But I want to know their story, like how they got together and whatnot. Yeah, I don't, I don't know really much about that either. I know that like she, she came to the so Newfound. I mean, if you're familiar with the AT, Newfound Gap in the middle of the Smokies, it's something about like her. She went there as a kid and yeah. was like, I'm gonna through hike the trail one day. Yep. Um, but yeah, you'll have to get her to. They tell you seem that story. like a perfect couple. Yeah, yeah. I don't know him at all, but uh, she's she's really cool. So I was happy about that. But anyway, back to I guess my trail name. Um, so I was there back in 2022, uh, back when it was with its former um, owner. Um, so anyway, it, it was just I don't really know how to. If you're familiar with the Grove, so the the previous owner has 
since passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and but my experience there, it was fun. Like it was a great hostel, it's right? You know, right outside of downtown. But it, he just he kept getting mad at me. All that to say, like we just did not have the best of friendships, and it wasn't anything like that I was doing on purpose. It was just like. You know, he didn't, which, and I didn't know this at the time because this was my first through hike, so I didn't know. But a lot of hostels like don't provide bed sheets. Like you're just supposed to use your, you know, your sleeping bag as your kind of bed sheet. And I didn't know that. So I just went and randomly found bed sheets. And <laughs> you were helping yourself. I was. I just, I didn't know any better. Like I just, I was very new. So I just was kind of helping myself to things. And um, yeah, just, I don't know. He would just kind of get mad at me for just little things here and there. And so finally, what the straw that broke the camel's back was, I didn't have a trail name at the time, and he, he wanted everybody to sign his board in his house. So he had this big board, and there's names all over it. And he was like, yeah, he said, if you don't mind, like sign your name around the outside of the board because it's just getting too convoluted, and I, wanna, like, I want it to look good. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, sure. But then like my eye caught this spot right in the middle. It was wide open, and I was like, <laughs> That's that can't be wasted. So I just wrote my name real big right there. So I had I had done that and I had left to go to town. When I came back, all my friends were laughing at me and they were like, dude, he's pissed at you. <laughs> and I was like, what did I do now? And they're like, you signed your name at the wrong spot and he's mad about it. So they kept calling me troublemaker. And I was like, you can't call me troublemaker. Like I've got to I've got to call other hostels and tell them, like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, hey, it's Troublemaker. I need a bunk for the night. <laughs> They'll be like, hey, man, we're full. Like, next next hostel. So uh, I was like, I can't be known as Troublemaker. So they were like, well, what about Maverick? That's kind of a close second. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely take that. That's pretty sweet. Nice. So that's how I got Maverick. Let's go back to how did hiking the Appalachian Trail even enter your brain? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I grew up in Blairsville, Georgia. So, I mean, if you're, again, if you're familiar with the AT, it's, it's about 13 miles from Neil's Gap, Blood Mountain. So, you know, if you're starting northbound, I mean, that's like one of the first towns you come to. So, I mean, I've always known about it. It's always kind of been in my backyard, but just never, you know, always thought it was kind of neat, but just never thought that that was like a practical thing that people should do with their lives because, you know, who in their right mind would take five to six months off and go hike a trail or what I got. I don't know. As a kid, I thought like, Oh, you're supposed to have a job. Like you're supposed to get married. You're supposed to, you're supposed to do all the things that they tell you to do. And so like, there's no way that through hiking fits into that. Um, but then, you know, and I, and I grow up, I, I go through high school, I go through college, graduate from college and just young adult real world stuff. Just, I mean, hit me like a ton of bricks. Where'd you go to college? I went to Lipscomb university up in Nashville, Tennessee, so, and it's really there that I kind of found my love for hiking. Uh, I met a bunch of friends who were really into hiking. And so, you know, we would go, you know, just random places out West. Like we went to Colorado a bunch. Like we would take like spring breaks. So the first week of summer or just whatever, and just all load up in somebody's car and just go be dirt bags for a week. And it was, gr- I loved it. I was like, this is, this is so much fun. Like I'm, I'm having a great time with my buddies. Like we're hiking or camping. We're just living like free men, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it was fantastic. So I, that's kind of what I guess started the process of me thinking like, okay, like, I think I could do something like that. That would be that'd be freaking cool. Was that uh, was that backpacking or more like car camping stuff? It was more car camping. I mean, we did. I I, I did one week long backpacking trip in Colorado once. So 
I had kind of a little taste, but, um, but really the kind of the straw again, that broke the camel's back for me and just, you know, committing to the through hike was, um, you know, when I became a young adult and, you know, did all the things that I was supposed to do, I was like, this sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> this sucks. Nobody so told me <laughs> that this was not that fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, welcome to the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, it was just like, I mean, it was just baptism by fire for me. I was like, this is not fun at all. And like, now I'm like trying to figure out how to create myself. Did you like, have like the, a, did you go get like a real job, a corporate job or whatever? Oh yeah. Oh, I worked at, so I, so Lipscomb University is in Nashville, Tennessee. So I, I mean, my first job out of school was I worked for a financial advising firm and I mean, it's a good company. I'm not, I'm not saying there's nothing. I'm not talking bad about him. It just wasn't for me. And I mean, I was dressing up suit and tie every day, driving downtown. It was a 45-minute commute one way, hour and a half commute back, you know, in the afternoon, rush hour. And I mean, that was just my life every day for, I only did that job for like six months. But <laughs> uh, but it was just like, oh, it just was like just miserable for me. So I... I, I just started thinking like, gosh, like there's got to be more to life than this, right? Like there's got to be more to life than just, you know, waking up every day, doing your nine to five, doing all the things again, you're supposed to do. So I actually had some friends. Um, it was actually my old boss. So I ended up working that job, then went and I ended up quitting that job, working at the university again. And one of my coworkers, um, she and her husband, the year of COVID, they had decided that they were they were kind of thinking like me, but they were kind of further along in their process than I was. I was at the very beginning of like, how do I really create myself? Like, how do I rethink my life? How do I structure it? How do I build it? How do I how do I how do I get to do the things I want to do? So they were kind of already further along in that process than I was, and so the year of COVID, they didn't. I mean, they didn't know COVID was about to happen, so they had decided that they were going to hike the PCT. Um, Pacific and so, Crest Trail. Yeah, yeah, out west. Um, so they quit their jobs. They um, they quit their jobs. They sold their house. They sold their cars. I mean, they went full all in. Well, like, we want to do this trail. And so, I mean, COVID. They their story is absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing. Because you know their their permits got revoked in the COVID year. They ended up hiking the Colorado Trail that summer. Then they came back in 21, tried to hike it again. She blew her knee out, so they had to get off. And so they ended up completing it last year. So I got to hike part of the trail with them last year on the on the. Where PCT. are they now? They're in Boone, North Carolina. Okay. So, so I should go talk to them. 100% you should, because okay. they're awesome. They, they're they just like the coolest hippie granola people I think I know. <laughs> um, so anyway, but they they just went for it. And it just really inspired me because it was like, wow, like I actually know people now who have like went all in and, you know, started to pursue the things they want to do. So I called them up one day and I just was like, hey, like, I really want to know what this process was like for you because I'm, I'm kind of thinking that I need to change a pace and I need to do something different. And a through hike sounds cool and just kind of, kind of fill me in on your process of like. Your, what you thought and how that came about. And so, you know, after talking to them, that was, I guess, um, summer of 21. And I was like, summer of 22, I'm hitting the trail. Like, it's happening. So they, they're really the one. They're kind of the catalyst, I would say. And you and you had already decided to do the AT? Well, not yet. Okay. So it's really funny. So, you know, I knew I wanted to do a trail. 
and you know I got really into the weeds of just like okay which tree do I pick and like what would be the most fun what would be you know whatever so I'm doing all this research and I I just this is about to sound again super hippie granola um but I remember like I had so much anxiety about which trail to pick, about what to do, like what was going to be my adventure, what was I going to do, and so I called them back and I was like, "How did you guys pick a trail?" Like I feel like this should have been my first question, but how did you guys pick a trail? And they were like, "You know, we just decided to commit to the PCT, and all of a sudden we just felt so much peace, like that was just what we were meant to do, and it was just it just made sense." And so I was like, "All right, well." I'm not feeling any peace about <laughs> the PCT or the CDT or anything else that I've thought of. And I had grown up on the AT, so I was like, I really don't want to – I don't know if I want to do that. Like, it's too close to home. Like, I, I, I know the AT. Like, you wanted something more adventurous or farther away or – Yeah, just something that I felt was different. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, again, I just did – I was so naive. I didn't know. But then I thought, I thought about it, and I was like – what if what if I do the AT? It's my home trail, man. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what if I do the AT? And it was just this again. It was just this wave of peace that like fell over me, and I was like, that duh. Like I've got to do the AT. The granola dust. It, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. It sounds really hippie granola, but it just for it works. It works. So you decided to hike the AT. How did you choose your equipment gear? Um, so I was like, you know, looking into it and, um, I think I came across like Walmart. Have you ever heard of Walmart? <laughs> like the guy, like the tray, like the hiker, oh, Walmart, no. not the, okay. yeah, sorry. I, like, I saw the look on your face and I was like, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no. So there's a guy, he's, I don't know how many times he's hiked the AT, but his trail name is Walmart because he buys all of his gear from Walmart because he was like, why in the world would I go out and spend thousands of dollars on gear when Walmart has everything I need for a low price, right? Right. So, so he's not I, in the ultralight Uh world. Definitely not. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, like, so what? He did it. Like, he went out there and did it. So now I did not take that approach, but I was like, I think I can kind of like, ball on a budget a little bit but also try to get some like good equipment but not super expensive equipment um so i just i I had a backpack i had a sleeping bag i had what else did i have i think i had a sleeping pad like what kind of pack did you have oh i had like i had like a kelty (laughs) (laughs) like i got rid of that in damascus dude (laughs) it was so bad no offense to kelty no, because I had their sleeping bag was great. I that, I had a Kelty sleeping bag, and it was I used it the whole time, so it was great. But the back the pack was just not not it for me. Um, but yeah, so I already had all this stuff, so I was like, well, all I need to do is like get a tent, um, and then just like your just little kind of miscellaneous things like you know your your stove, your um your pot to cook in, and then just random things that I thought I might need along the way. I mean, I, I, I went in so clueless. So you didn't go down the YouTube university like a lot of people did? Yeah, I'm just not that guy. Okay. Like, and that's okay, but I, I wish, I, I really wish I was. I honestly do, because, you know, I met a lot of guys who were like that, and they just were so dialed in from the get-go and, like, had everything they needed, and it was good stuff, and I thought, man, like, if I ever do another trail, like, I'm doing that. Like, I'm not this, yeah, I'm going to, 
I'm going to work really hard in the off season, make some money and get down my gear down. Did you suffer a little bit with some of the gear you had? I mean, you have difficulties with the, yeah, it was just, it was heavier. And like I kept, so my, my Kelty actually, I, I kind of have a little bit of a scar cause I don't know why the backpack just rubbed into my shoulder so bad. And I was wearing a tank top. So I like had this like huge, like scab <laughs> on my shoulder from where like the backpack was like, you know, just rubbing into my shoulder. So I ended up having to get a new backpack in Damascus. Do you remember what your pack weighed? Oh, it was probably like 40 pounds. It was not good. Um, yeah, it was not good. Uh, so, and then, like, I, I went with the sleeping pad that I already had, and let's see, it, like, it it had its, its last days in, like, Pennsylvania. Um, trying to think of what else. I was just, I went through a lot of gear. Like, I went, that's the, that's the problem I think I ended up having was I just went through so much gear by the end that I was like, man, if I just had really dialed this in, even if I got it more, if you, even if it was more expensive, like it would have held up longer than, you know, a lot of the stuff that I started with. So, so. you were either replacing things that wore out or broke or just made improvements along the way? Yeah. 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 Did, um, did you have to quit a job or had you had already quit job and that kind of stuff? When yeah. So, so, you know, this, a lot of people ask me about like, how do you do, like, how does this work with work? Um, and you know, I was, you know, for the AT, so spoiler, I've hiked the AT and the PCT now. Oh, Yeah. We'll get, I guess <laughs> stay tuned everybody. Um, so I, um, you know, before I started the AT, I was like working a job at the university uh, while I was also pursuing a master's degree. And that ended, let's see, December of 21. What was the master's degree? I have a master's of business administration. If you, if anybody else, if anybody sees me on the street and asks me what I'm doing with that, like I'm going to punch you. <laughs> Cause like, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it was useless. I learned a lot, but am I using it? No, I run cable now for a living and I love it. <laughs> I love my job. Um, but yeah, so I, I quit that job, graduated from my master's program in December of 21. And then got on with the company I work for now, which is like out of my hometown. They had a project in Nashville. It was like kind of just like this perfect timing. Like everything about it like lined up so perfectly because, you know, I had a buddy from high school that was working there and he was like, man, like we need work for like the next four months, you know, from January to April, you know, finishing up a project. And he was like, you know, since you live there, he was like, we could definitely use you. I was like, that's like, and I hadn't told anybody at the time. I had nobody knew that I was going to do the AT. Oh, that's cool. So I'm like, that's like mind, granola dust. It, it really is. It's like this, like just a little through hiker fairy, just come <laughs> by and sprinkle it on my bed at night. Nice. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I was like, wow, like this is all lining up. Holy cow. Uh, but yeah, so I was like, okay, well, yeah, for sure. So I ended up quitting my job at you know, Lipscomb graduated from my master's program, started running cable and like helping him out with this project that they were doing in Nashville. And, you know, at the end of the four months, I was like, well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's all I've signed up for. That's all I've told my boss that I'm going to work for. So as soon as this job ends, um, I'm hitting the trail. So sure enough, like, uh, you know, I think my last day was like April 24th or 23rd or something. And, so I quit my, so ended the project, ended up officiating my buddy's wedding. So the same guy who got me the job officiated his wedding. Wow. And then two days later. The MBA came in handy. 
Sure. I mean, <laughs> I guess so. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, so yeah, I got this job. So what was your start date? April 25th. Wow. 2022. Um, a little bit late. That's a funny story, actually. So I like, I like really went into training because I'd heard a lot of people say like, Hey, to avoid injury, um, you know, you need to at least, you know, build up your stamina enough to where, you know, you're not going to hurt yourself early on. So I was like, okay, like I'll do that. So, I mean, I spent every weekend, I would go to like the local parks around Nashville and it's, I mean, it's kind of hilly. Like it's, it's middle Tennessee. So it's just a lot of rolling hills, nothing like crazy elevation wise, but you know, I thought, okay, I'll just go, I'll load my backpack with some stuff. So it's funny. Cause like, you know, my, my roommate at the time, he had like two cast iron skillets. So I would like throw my <laughs> cast iron skillets. I would throw my, like my, uh, my books from school. I would just throw anything that had any kind of weight into my backpack and just go hike, just laps around local parks. Nice. Um, so anyway, I got really cocky going into the trail because April 25th rolled around and yeah, that's kind of late for starters, but I was like, why does that matter? I've been training. Like, <laughs> I've been training with the iron skillets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm like, I, I'll blow this trail away. Dude, the first day put me on my ass. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause it was like, you know, it's starting to get hot then. And, um, I was, I think I, I had started kind of, cause I wanted to go get my tag at the, I didn't do the approach trail. Sorry for all you approach trail people, oh, but I went mm. straight to Springer. Um, but I wanted to go get my tag. So I still went to Amicalola state park, got my tag, came back. It just took way longer than I thought. And so I think I started hiking around like one o'clock in the afternoon and like really wanted to make some miles because in my mind I'm thinking like I want to be at 20 miles a day by day like five. Wow. So so you started at the parking lot, went up to the summit, and then back? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think my first day I went, I made it to Justice Creek. It was 14 miles from the start of the trail. And I started at one. I think I got done by seven. And I just remember it was hot that day, so I was super dehydrated. I had like missed my last water source, so I didn't have water for like – Four or five miles. And then again, this is day one. Like I am I am as green and as like new and fresh. So my body is like can not hold up. So I just remember I got I got to camp. It was by this creek, like stripped down, jumped in the creek to cool myself off, chugged water, set my tent up, ate this like just measly meal that I was just that was not that good. Like what kind of like a dehydrated or a freeze dried meal? No, or? it was like it was kind of like a freeze dried meal. My my buddy had got it for me. It was these like meal to go things. It's like you just all you have to do is, um, I don't know. There's a lot to it. It's it don't get. By the way, don't get this if you're if you're hiking and want to know like what good food is. Do not get this product. Um, but yeah, you just like you're supposed to you rip it open and you insert this thing and then you just pour water in it and apparently the water somehow or another fuses with this like little packet and it just heats the water okay. up. Kind of like an MRE. Something like that. Yeah. But Either. it wasn't that good and it wasn't that filling. And we're going to bed that night and I was like, and I, I had a 20 degree bag starting out on April 25th, which was good, which was good. I mean, I had some cold nights, but day one, it was hot. I remember like I had like, I don't, I don't know why I did this, but I like, put my leggings on. I put my, like, like my big socks on. I had like a coat in my 20 degree bag and it's it was probably 50 degrees that night so i'm like sweating <laughs> so bad and i just remember laying there thinking like can i make it take a top 
I was like, am I gonna, am I gonna make it? <laughs> so yeah, it was day one, like really humbled me. But uh, did you, uh, or, or what, what did you wear for foot gear? Trail runners or boots? I wore like a hybrid, I guess you could say. They were, and it's funny because I, I'm a huge fan of North Face shoes. And nobody, that, nobody wears North Face. I mean, really, Ultras are probably the most popular brand of hiking shoe. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people, I see a lot of people like Hoka's or um, trying to think of other brands I've seen. But I think I've only seen ever like two other people have North Face. Yeah. I had a pair and they were super comfortable, but they didn't last very long. Oh, okay, interesting. Because I, that's what I liked about North Face is I found their durability was really good. Really good. Do you have issues with blisters or anything? Not real. I, that was that was one thing I will say my training really helped because I, I used the same I used the same boots for my training. So when I started the I mean they were pretty worn out, but I mean I think I probably between training and then like when I finally got rid of my boots, um I think I'd probably already I'd probably put a thousand miles on them. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. So it was um, they held up really well, and honestly, I think I got rid of them too soon. I really do, because they the tread was kind of bad, but like they were my you know my feet weren't poking out, like there weren't any holes, there were no. That's what happened to mine. I felt like the tread was thin, and yeah. the tread wore out first, but the the shoes were still comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still think I could have gotten a a pretty decent amount of miles on them, but I was like, well, maybe maybe not. I don't know. Again, like I, I figured out so many things. I just went into it so blind, and that's okay. So, it, so that was day one. What other, I guess, learning curves or difficulties did you have in the beginnings of adjusting to, you know, living out of a backpack every day and hiking up and down the mountain? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, just, just the miles. I mean, I think, like, I just, I wish I had gone into that with more of an expectation of, like, it, this is going to take a little bit to get used to, like, you're not going to be, I mean, some people do, some people can just start out and they can just kill it. And I, kudos to those people. I wish I was like you, but I'm not, and that's okay. But, um, what kind of mileage were you doing through Georgia? I would do like, I would do like maybe a 15 or got, got as much as like a 17, but then I would turn around and do like a 10, you know, like it would just, it was so inconsistent. Cause I just, I mean, I would wear myself out. And then I'd have an, a kind of an easier day, and then I'd wear myself out, and then I'd have a much easier day. Um, I mean, even when I got to the Nanahala Gorge, I think I remember we were going to go down into the gorge and back up to the top in the same day, which is stupid. Yeah. Like that, I'm so glad because, but it was funny because it was it was hot that day too, and when we got down there to the river, and as soon as I got there, and you know, got a cheeseburger. And the Coors and sat in one of those little like Adirondack chairs by the river. <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. Did you, when you were started out and, uh, and the mileage was difficult, were you battling that mentally? Like, I'm not doing enough? Uh, yeah. Cause the problem that I think a lot of hikers have is they get, they get so into the math of like, okay, well, you know, I kind of planned on doing 15 miles a day and that was going to get me to Katahdin by whatever date. And when you start not hitting that, it just kind of makes you worried. Like, oh, am I gonna? Because if you're not, again, if you're not familiar with AAT, like Katahdin has a has a cutoff date, middle of October, really. Um, they're they're pretty particular up there about you know a, about erosion and the preservation of the park and of the mountain. 
Um, so you just have to make sure you get there before the middle of October. And so starting out in April, on April 25th, I mean, that's kind of just always in the back of your mind is like, oh, like, am I going to make it? Am I not? And so it just, that kind of made me very anxious about like, oh, like I'm not getting as many miles as I thought too early on. And, you know, am I going to make it? And so it wasn't so much that I was feeling down about myself or in, and, not, and feeling down about like, cause I was completely fine to stop early, but but then it was just, it was more so, yeah, like the timing of like, oh, like, uh, am I going to get there on time? Were there other through hikers around you starting that late? Yeah, there were, well, yeah, there were a bunch that started that late, but, you know, you also run into kind of the end of the bubble. So, you know, once, because I, the one thing that I will say is like, where I made up for kind of maybe my lack of miles in a day, I made up for, I think, in consistency. So I wasn't taking like two zeros every time I got you know, I'd maybe take one zero a week or, or something like that. Um, and so you start to catch up with the people who started, you know, early April, late March, and even some people in February. I mean, I, I, I ended the trail October 3rd and one of the guys that I started with, or one of the guys that I ended with, uh, he finished also on October 3rd and he started February 22nd. Oh, that's crazy. That is consistent i guess yeah 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 because that's yeah i just i tried to always do you remember your first zero like how so how far did you go until you franklin north carolina okay so yeah so when that was when i got my trail name like i said so that was 100 miles 110 yeah it was 100 miles so we all we got the 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 people that i was hiking around at that time we had that was our first 100 miles because the 100 mile marker is albert mountain which is a beautiful fire tower it's just it's just gorgeous and about seven miles down from that is Winding Stair Gap that goes into Franklin. And so we were like, man, like, let's go sell it. That was one thing that I found that was really helpful is like, you know, instead of looking at like, oh, like I have 2,100 miles left, or like looking at a map and being like, I have come nowhere. <laughs> uh, I would try to think of it as the opposite. Like I've made it 100 miles. I've never done it before in my life. Like that's, so we, I would, we would try to celebrate, you know, every accomplishment. So we were like, yeah, let's take a zero and just like kind of, relax and unwind and treat ourselves for making it the first hundred miles. So at that point you were already hiking with other people. Mm -hmm. Were you, would you say that you were already in a tramley by then? Yeah. I, yeah, there, we definitely were kind of a, the makings of a tramley because I think I met them all like maybe day three. How how many people? Let's see. There were probably, let's see. It was me, songbird, um, Jordan and Bryce and then Damien. Uh, so there were five of us. And then there was this one girl, Mercury, who kind of was around us at the time. But the five of us were pretty much consistently hiking together until all the Smokies. How, did, how does the process or how did it work for you to, like, become a tramley or, you know, I feel like it's more than just hiking the same pace. Yeah, it, you know, it, it started out like it was just hiking the same pace. Like it was just, you know, we would – we would see each other throughout the day and we may stop at the same shelter. And eventually after a couple of days of that, we all just kind of looked at each other and we were like, well, we're kind of hiking the same pace and we all like each other. So let's just, you know, let's, let's maybe coordinate a little bit. It was just very natural of how it all worked out. How long did you stay together? Through the Smokies. Um, Cause Damien was just a section hiker. And so he, he was trying to do to Harper's Ferry, but then he got to missing his family. I get it. So he got off at the Smokies, and then the rest of us 
you know, got to the end of the Smokies. And then we just all kind of, I think Jordan, Jordan and Bryce were like best friends from Utah. And I think Jordan was having problems with her knees. And so they took some time off. And so me, there's just me and Songbird. Well, then we had, we had met some other people at that point. But then a bunch of people started going to trail days. And I had to get off about, I don't know, probably halfway through for a buddy's wedding for a week. So I was like really trying to not, take a lot of time and trail days was going to be like a like four or five days off trail so yeah so we just we all split up after the smokies did you end up in another tramway well eventually so until i got to my buddy's wedding i was just in and out of groups so you know i would hike with you know this group of people for a couple weeks or maybe a week or maybe a couple days so i just was like bouncing around a lot of tramleys until i got back from my buddy's wedding and then i got up with like just still to this day, some of my best friends. Did you ever experience a time when, like, being in a tramway, you had to sacrifice kind of your hiking your own hike to kind of stay together? Um, y- yes, but it was more. <laughs> I I didn't, as far as staying together i mean more of my hiking my own hike because i really wanted to like hike every mile of the at that was like something that i kind of had said like i want to at least hike every and i i'll be honest i didn't hike every mile but i will say i did have a continuous footpath because we got to the point where we were like <laughs> what that, what does that mean i think you're stretching the rules <laughs> there are no rules here okay let's let's just let's throw that out of the water there are no rules uh, that's true but, um, but yeah, so what, what that turned into was, is like, so if you're not familiar with PUDs, that is a pointless up and down. Okay. So yeah. PUDs is, PUD is a, is an acronym. Um, so we got to thinking and we were like, this is stupid. Like we would rather, let's see if we can find an easier route. And so then what we learned was, is that really over time, the AT has changed. Like it's, it is now protected by i think the u.s government as far as like it is now one singular trail it 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 will not change i mean they might like reroute it you know maybe a mile or so but as far as like i mean when it first started i mean there were like miles and miles of road walking you know way back in the day okay um and so what we decided to do was is we were like well let's we're still technically on old at so we called it vintage blazing (laughs) Vintage blazing. Vintage okay, blazing. Go on. So anytime that we were like PUD vintage route, it was always let's take the vintage route. Did you just route. look at the map and go, hey, there's a dirt road that kind of goes around this mountain or something? Yeah, exactly exactly what we did. There's like a topo map on Far Out, the app we use. And so you can like it shows you all these like other routes and it's got four service roads on there. It's got other trails. Um but yeah, so we would just kind of like find. That was like fun. It was it's like a game. It really kind of was because you just never knew what you're going to get into. But that could also that could also like bite you in the rear end if you weren't careful. Because I had one buddy. Um, there was actually it was up in Vermont. They decided to take a Forest Service road that actually went straight to I think it was Bennington or something. Anyway, it was one town in Vermont, and the, there was a there's a Forest Service road you could take into town. And then the other side of town, there was um, 
there was a route that would go straight up to Glastonbury Mountain. And Glastonbury is great. Like, there's a fire tower at the top. It's beautiful. Um, we That was, like, one of my favorite nights on trail. But, uh, but anyway, so they hiked down into, I think it was Bennington. Anyway, they hiked down into town. Then they took this other route back up to Glastonbury. And it was just... It was like, it just wasn't maintained. So it was funny because I saw them at the top of the mountain. I had taken the actual trail and I got to the top and I was like, oh, I didn't think I was going to see you guys today. And they just, ha- they just looked so annoyed because <laughs> they're like, we should have done the trail. And I was like, why? And they're like, because they were like, that was just a bushwhack. And they had gone through briars and just leaves and like just all kinds of crazy stuff to get to the top. So, so yeah, so you just you got to be careful when you when you decide to make your own routes. But but it is fun because it is it is a little interesting. Did you make up the term vintage blazing? I you know I'm gonna give my buddy Dietz credit for this. He I think he made the term up. Like it. maybe he heard it from somebody else. I have but, a feeling that after this podcast comes out, it's gonna become a thing. Yeah, I mean, it has it a def- word, it has a name now. It it does. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it really because people do that all the time. Um. But yeah, but vintage blazing is what we called it. Did you have a time or do you remember a time when you're hiking along and you're like, man, this is just my life now. It's what I do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it was really, I think it was after the first month. I think when I got to Damascus, it kind of clicked because I had, I had a pretty hard time adjusting the first month. Um, you know, I grew up in, you know, rural Georgia and I mean, yeah, I had moved to Nashville, but I mean, I mean, I was still in the Southeast and, um, you know, there's just, there's just, you know, a bubble in this, in Southern communities of you're kind of just around the same similar type people as you. So it was just, that was an adjustment always being around different people. And that's not a bad thing. And I had to learn to, you know, maybe let some of my maybe prejudices or, um, some of my, beliefs down a little bit to to understand to empathize with other people and to become friends with other people and that became just like one of my favorite parts i think after a month in like i i kind of realized like you know i don't have to i don't have to be so uptight about my own stuff like yeah ever we're all out here trying to like hike the trail and we're all out here like you know trying to support each other and lift each other up and encourage each other to get to the end and so we're all trash come a hiker <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um so yeah, after after the first month of just getting used to, you know, the just, you know, walking every day and then um learning to just befriend everyone and learning what it's like to to be a through hiker and and making that more of your identity, like it just yeah, it very, it very much clicked and I was like, I'm good. Like I'm good. Did I'm going to make it to the end. I have no doubts. Did you upgrade your food from that that first little weird meal i did i did and i or downgrade it <laughs> no i know i trust me i one thing that i basically told myself was is i'm not going to starve on this trail so i mean fortunately you know my job is is just it's very good and and i make good money and um so that that gave me a lot of kind of cushion to do a lot of freeze dried meals so i was one of those guys and like i'm like the like the stuff you get from walmart or do you order the the bougie freeze dried stuff? Yeah, I'm talking like how, like Mountain House. But you can get Mountain House at Walmart for like seven bucks. But I mean, I was not. I tried to make a ramen bomb once, and it was horrible. So you ate freeze dried the whole way? Uh, about halfway through, I started doing freeze dried wow. pretty much every day because I would do a freeze dried meal and maybe like one or two ramen packets. 
Because that was just, I mean, you get, you get to the point where you're starving all the time. Do you have a favorite meal? Um, I really like the chicken and rice. Oh, that's my favorite, man. It's good, isn't Love it? Love My dad was in the military, and, and way back in the day, they had a thing called a LERP ration, which is long-range patrol. And that was a change from the old sea rations and cans. The LERP rations were freeze-dried, just like mm-hmm. the mountain house. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the military riding on everything is, you know, in reverse. So it's like chicken with rice, comma, accented with pimentos or whatever it says. But, man, that's my favorite. Love the yeah. chicken and rice. Yeah, it's, it, you, can't, you just can't go wrong with it. Nice. So you were, you're a little bit of bougie side on the eating, on the food. Yeah. And I mean, I will say too, like my, my buddy, I like, so like I said, I, I had a tramley. Let's see. When did I come back from that wedding? So I got back in, I think I was in Massachusetts and I actually caught up with a bunch of people that I'd hiked with back in Virginia around Damascus. Hadn't seen them in months and just caught back with them like maybe day two and just started hiking with them. I think I finished with like, there were probably 11 or 12 of us um, that were hiking together. And by the end, I think five of us ended up finishing together. But my buddy Dietz, he, um, he, well, here's another term that he coined, bougie blazing. Um, <laughs> and at just, you know, it, it really stuck with me. I was like, man, that's a good way to, that's a good way to go. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I'm young. Like I don't have any, I don't really have any responsibilities back home. Like I'm single. I don't have, I don't have anything. Nobody's depending on me. So I was like, I can just go make this back. Like I'll just, you know, when am I ever going to be on the AT again? Like when am I ever going to have this experience? So did you send boxes ahead or you just go into town and stock up on? No, I would just go into town and stock up on whatever they had. Anybody look over you with fiery eyes of jealousy? You know, I'm sure they did. (laughs) Nobody ever said anything to me about it, but I'm sure they did. And I mean, that's just, you just, you just hike your own hike. I don't know. Yeah. That's good though. What'd you do for water filtration? Um, I had a, uh, I just had a solder squeeze, which, but I will say on the, on the AT, so I would, I had a, like, I had one of those CNOC like water bladders. And so I don't know why I did this because I didn't do this on the PCT and every time I filtered water on the PCT, I was like, man, I should have done this on the AT. But I would fill up the CNOC every time and filter. After they won on the AT when I didn't have any water, like it really made me paranoid for the whole trip. So I always had way too much water. But at the same time, like dehydration is real. Like how like much when, is too much water? I mean, two liters. I would not say that's too much. That's like, there's a lot of water. If you're, if there's like, if you're going... If you're going 10 miles and there's like three or four water sources, like you don't need that much water. You you pass some water and like, dead gummin, I didn't have to carry that. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, but I always would like fill up two liters. I don't know why, but it would sit, I would, it would take forever because my Sawyer squeeze would get too backed up. So back, so I just, and I wasn't good about back flushing my filter. So I would just sit there for like 30 minutes every single time and filter water through my CNOC. And I wish what I did on the PCT was. Well, one, I got a different, I got a platypus water filter and, you know, I have my two smart water bottles. And so what I would do is is I had a clean one and a dirty one. And so I'd fill up the dirty one with dirty water. And, you know, unless I wanted to drink like a Gatorade packet or some sort of electrolyte mix, I would actually filter it. But if not, then I would just stick my dirty water bottle under there, underneath like a water source. I'd, you know, put my, like my platypus squeeze and then I would go. 
because I can just drink straight from oh, out of the okay. platypus. Yeah, so it would save just so much time. Gotcha. I was like, wow, like I've wasted days of my life on the AT filtering water when I could have just done, could have just stuck my water bottle underneath, capped it with my water filter, and been on my way. Did you see somebody do that, or was that just an aha moment? I think I saw somebody do that one time, and I was like, well, I should try that. And then... Yeah, it just I'll never I will never filter water any other way. What what kind of stove did you use? Um on the AT I had a BRS stove cuz I think they were like $5 on Amazon, maybe even less. And they're tiny. I mean, they they weigh nothing. If you're if you're really into like which it's funny because I, I always joke because that's like the only ultralight piece of gear that I had on the AT. And I don't know why I wanted to save the weight, but <laughs> I did there. Was it terrible in the wind? It wasn't great. I mean, it, it did the job fine, and I had it the whole time. And I, I mean, I really don't have any complaints about it, but I wouldn't say it was very fuel, fuel efficient. Um, and it kind of warped over time. So it was a little wonky by the end, but it was fine. It worked. Do you have a favorite spot or section of the trail? Man, I loved from Vermont on. Like if I could go hike just Vermont to Katahdin again, really, let's just let's include Greylock on that. Mount Greylock in Massachusetts. From Mount Greylock in Massachusetts to Katahdin was just I don't know. I just had such a fun like I think it was the people I was around and you know, I just think that that section of trail is just the most beautiful. Um I mean the Smokies, don't get me wrong, like there's great places everywhere else. Um but I just really, really loved that section. Were the and leaves already changing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was that was awesome. Hiking through Maine was just like magical because you know we were hiking through in September, and so the like fall starts earlier in the Northeast. So September is really like prime time. September to early October is like prime leaf season in the Northeast. So, yeah, it was just beautiful. And it was just like, you know, Maine is such undisturbed wilderness. I mean, when you're hiking up the East Coast, like, you know, millions of people live within an hour's drive or a day's drive of the AT. So, you know, you're getting on top of mountains and, you know, you're, you're seeing houses in the distance. You're seeing towns. And, and that's, that's fine. But you get up to Maine and it's just like you get up on these mountains and it's like just lakes and just vast wilderness mm. and there's no people there's no development there's no i mean it's just you and nature did you see a moose so i didn't see a moose while i was hiking but it was funny because we got to a ball bridge and i had a buddy who had already finished the trail and like previously that year i think he's finished like a month before i did but his parents live like an hour maybe from a ball bridge and so he was there visiting. He actually did Katahdin like the same weekend we did. And so he, um, so he picks us up from A-Ball Bridge. And then he like is driving us back into Millinocket to go to a restaurant. Because he was like, do you want to eat your food? Like, do you want to eat your <laughs> camp food? And we were like, no, no way. So he drove us in. We went to this pizza place in Millinocket. A sawmill? I have no clue. Yeah, I, don't even th- I don't even think it was Millinocket. It was actually before. Like when you're driving out towards A-Ball Bridge from Millinocket, it's like you get to the very end, like the very edge of town before you hit like just like the dirt road part of that road. Um, and took us to some like pizza place out there. I don't know. But anyway, we saw a moose driving into town. Okay. 
So I did see a moose, but it was not like it wasn't on the trail. It seems like the hundred mile wilderness is either outstanding for people or terrible. What was your what was your experience through the hundred mile? I, well, I don't even know if I wanted like talk. I don't even want to. I don't know if I want to talk about this on the podcast because it was such a great experience. Like I think, I think my experience in the hundred mile wilderness was like one of the best experiences that I've ever been had. Really? Yeah. Do tell. So, so my buddy's parents, like I said, they live like an hour from Millinocket, but they also live like an hour from Monson. They're kind of right in that middle. So, um, you know, and his mom has actually hiked the Appalachian Trail twice. Wow. And she's planning on, you know, when her husband retires to do it again with him. She's awesome. Her name's, her trail name was Black Bear. Um, I mean, just like the greatest lady. Is this somebody you met on the trail? Or yeah, so it was my buddy Pat. Okay. So he told me, he was like, man, when you get to Monson, he said, you need to call my mom. Like, she would love to do some trail magic for you. Um, you know, since we're friends and, you know, she would love to, she just is like that. So he sent me her number. And so when I got up to Monson, I was like, well, I should, I should give this lady a call. Like, you know, she'd probably appreciate that. And even if she's not able to come, like, whatever. But I'll just, I'll at least text her and let her know I'm here. So she's like, yeah, I'm, like, I just said like, Hey, like, do you mind to you know, pick us up from whatever highway that is and take us down to Monson? And she's like, absolutely. So, you know, she comes, she picks us up. She, you know, brings us down to town and I don't, I don't know if she was going to offer this anyway, but I had a buddy who had some really bad foot issues. I think he had a stress fracture in his foot, but anyway, so we get in the car and it, it was just killing him. And he was just like, he was really worried. He wasn't going to be able to finish the trail. And we're at the hundred mile wilderness. Like, You've got a hundred, like it's a hundred miles. Yeah. And you don't know if you're going to finish. And the signs at the trailhead are so scary. Yeah, know, exactly. Like, like you're out here, you're in the wilderness for a hundred miles. Do not like, enter yeah, without exactly. supplies. Right. You need a 10 day resupply yeah. through here. Um, so he, he just was like in a bad way, which fair enough. And so I don't know if like, you know, if she just, felt compelled because of that or again if she was going to offer this anyway but she was so nice because she turned around and she looked at him and she was like you're gonna finish this trail if i have anything to do about it like i will help you finish this trail and she was like i have nothing going on this week i think she's like a retired teacher or something and she was like um she was like if i can help it she said i will help you and so she was like i'm not doing anything this week and she said i'm always looking for an excuse to get in the woods so she was like what if i slide pack you guys through the entire hundred mile wilderness. <laughs> that's gotta be cheating. Dude, I just that's not even like you just don't even know because so yeah, I mean you've been through the hundred mile wilderness. Like it's there's all these like old logging roads, yeah, right? Yeah. There's like three roads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you you have to go back out to town yeah. or something mm-hmm. to get to like the next part, right? So there's like a pizza place there. And so every night she would pick us up a personalized pizza. And so when we get to like the road crossing where she'd be at, like we'd have pizza and beer waiting on us. And you would camp at the road and then slack pack the next day? Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, yeah, she was just like the kindest, kindest woman to do that for us. You had good weather going through? It was okay. It was kind of, it was kind of rainy. Towards the end, it, it got sunnier, but it was, it was, it was windy. It was cold. It was a little rainy. Um, but let's see, by the time, by the end of it, it was like super sunny and I could not have had a better day in Katahdin. That's crazy. You must've been skipping through like, we're going to have pizza and beer tonight. Do well, I felt, I, we, I felt kind of bad cause 
there would be times where, you know, we'd get to the road crossing and we'd like be over there to the side, you know, like chowing down on our pizza and beer. And we'd be sitting in like these like lawn chairs <laughs> and just like going to town. Like I mean, movie stars. Oh, absolutely. And like all of a sudden we like look back towards the trail and like these through hikers would come through and they would just look over at us and we would look over at them. <laughs> and we were like, do we say anything? And then we wouldn't say anything, and then the other people would keep going, and then we'd feel bad. So it was it was really awkward, but but we had a great time. Let's talk about Summit Day. Who? What do you want to what, know about Summit what Day? What day did you summit? October third. October third. Mm-hmm. I was there at A Ball then. Yeah, I remember you saying that when we met a couple weeks ago, and well, we just never ran into no, each other. I, I camped there. Under the power lines. I moved to different spots, but in that area for about five weeks. I stayed until... Oh. I stayed from Labor Day until the second week of March. I mean, uh, October. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we definitely would have been at the same time and just never knew it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so Summit Day was October 3rd. Um, we had actually gotten a site at the... Uh, what is it called? The A-Ball Creek Campground or something? Uh which is like the paid campsites, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, private campground at the store? E, no, 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 At the... Um, oh, in the park? In the park, okay. yeah. Whatever that campground is. You know where like Katahdin the... Katahdin Stream or... Katahdin, yeah, something like that. Okay, yeah. But it's not... Or the Birches? Well, see, there's the Birches is like the is the shelter there. And it's like a... It's super <clears throat> limited on its capacity. Yeah. And they're really strict Katahdin about it. Stream is like the paid campground. Or the yeah, paid yeah. We got really lucky because somebody had canceled... And we we just like snagged it. I think it ended up being like maybe less than ten dollars a person because there were you can have like six at a campsite. Oh, thank you, <laughs> sir. We just got a we had a yeah, beer delivery. <laughs> we did get a beer delivery from the um, from the nice uncle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shout out to my uncle Doug over here. Thanks, for Uncle Doug, letting, for letting us uh, use his cabin. Oh yeah, so Katahdin Streams. So yeah, so they it's a paid for campground and it's you know it's um, it's kind of hard to get into. Because uh, it gets booked. I mean, as soon as the like lots, as as soon as it opens up in the spring, you know, it's booked through its whole season. Did they give you a site that somebody had wouldn't couldn't make the reservations for? Yeah, yeah somebody had just canceled. So whenever people can't, because people just what it is 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 people just like yeah. See, you need to know this. No, it could have been mine. Oh, really? I had reservations for Katahdin Stream, but I couldn't get a dog sitter. Because you can't oh, take a dog in there. Right, right. And I made arrangements, and they fell through the day before. So I went to the ranger and said, hey, man, I got two nights, whatever. Here's my reservation paper. Give it away to somebody. And so the next day he goes, yeah, man, I gave it away to these you know, people and their family or whatever. And I was just, I never knew who it was. But Oh, man, it may have been. I don't know. Wouldn't that be weird? That would be crazy. We have a connection. I'll just, you know, I'll go ahead and just say thank okay, you. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was just like, you know, you, people cancel online and so you just, you go and you, you check the, what you check the websites. And so you check like, you know, you just, every day we're checking like, okay, cause we get signal in the hundred mile wilderness every once in a while. So, you know, we're checking every day, like, oh, it's like, is somebody canceled? Is somebody canceled? Is somebody canceled? And so finally we, um, somebody had canceled and it, again, it may have been you, Ronnie, uh, Somebody had canceled, and we just, like, snagged it as soon, as soon as we could. So when we got there, I mean, we didn't have to, like, rush to get to the birches because, again, they limit it to 12 people per day. So we just got to, like, 
Yeah, that was like getting to the like a Dodd and Streams campsite was so much fun because we sat at A Ball Bridge. There was like twenty of us, twenty to twenty five of us that just sat there all like all morning and just chilled out. I mean, it's like a ten mile, super easy hike, beautiful. I mean, right by this creek, all the way up to the campground. So we're just like just and it's sunny and we're just like soaking in the last days together. And a lot of people yeah. are stressed out when they get to a ball because of trying to get in the park. Oh, it's, it's super stressful because we had some, we had some other friends who weren't able to get a campsite at Katahdin streams and they weren't able to get the birches and they had deadlines of like, well, I have a flight that I got to make. And so they had to get up at like four in the morning and hike or maybe, maybe even earlier, but they hiked from a ball bridge oh, wow. all the way to Katahdin and then back down to Katahdin streams. It's a long day. That's a super long day. Did you get up early for like a sunrise summit or anything like that? Or no, we we I am just I'm not really an early riser. Like I've done it before and I'll do it on some instances, but I think we started at like eight thirty or something. Yeah, we were we were not in any rush to my parents. It's funny because my parents actually came up, so they wanted to like they wanted to see kind of me and my friends off. And so they were in Millinocus. They actually brought us breakfast. So we had like, it's really funny because they had like all these like McDonald's like biscuits. And so when we got to the top, I mean like we had like our celebratory like, you know, Katahdin drinks, but then I also had my like bacon, egg and cheese biscuit from McDonald's. On the oh, of course I did. Wow. Was it emotional for you? It was. I mean, like when you, you don't see the sign until you're like a hundred yards from it. I mean, you kind of like top this last ridge and then all of a sudden like the sign comes into view and it's like, I don't know. It just kind of hits you. Like I've worked months and months and like dreamed of this moment. And it's like, you know, I've never felt like I've, I've never felt like I could call myself a through hiker because it's like, well, I'm not there yet, but it's like all of a sudden, like I'm a through hiker. Like I'm like, I did it. I mean, it, it just, it, it does. I mean, it, it really gets you when you get up and see that sign of just, wow, like I did it. Like that's, like that's crazy that, you know, what commitment and what hard work, what dedication can do. Did you have a moment like, oh crap, now it's over. What's next? Or were you just really hyped up about the accomplishment? Well, I, I was really hyped up about the, the accomplishment. Um, but I also knew about halfway through the AT that I wanted to do the PCT the next year. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind. Um, and see, you know, October 3rd was my end date. And so PCT permits come out like really a month later. So I was already, you know, I got home. And as soon as I got home, I mean, I'm researching like how to apply for a PCT permit. Oh, you were ready to go. Oh, I was, I was ready to go. So no like post-trail depression or readjustment difficulties to the life in the real world it i think not not really because i think for me having that trail on the horizon kind of gave me just gave me something to look forward to it it gave my mind something to kind of focus on and um yeah did you go back to work for the cable company well, I, it's funny. So I actually, so I did. Well, I wasn't going to. I actually had a job lined up from. There was a girl that I met on the trail, and she was a. She works at a ski resort in the winter, and I, I mean, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life on trail. So I was like, well, I'll just that sounds cool. Like, are they hiring for this winter? So I was actually supposed to go to Taos, New Mexico, right after trail, but it wasn't going to start for you know like eight weeks. So I went back to my boss, and I was like, hey, like, do you care if I pick up some work for eight weeks? And he's like, well, yeah, sure, that's no problem. 
so the eight weeks kind of is coming to a close and um, I'm like, well, I've got about two weeks left. I'll go to Taos. And he's like, you sure you want to go to Taos? And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> it depends what you got. Um, so it, I just got to thinking about it and you know, he, I was going to make more money with him and I really, really wanted to hike the PCT. And I was like, you know, what? I'd rather go make better money and I'd rather, you know, if, and I was also thinking like, man, if I get out there and hurt myself skiing, I'm going to be so mad at myself because I'd rather do the PCT than ski. Mm-hmm. So I was, so I backed out of the ski job, stayed on with the company and just, you know, worked for however long. And then right before the PCT, again, just up and quit and started hiking the PCT. Did they make special arrangements for you or is that the kind of job that you can do that? You can say, hey, I'll work for two months. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just trade work. I mean, that's kind of the the good thing about that kind of work. I mean, and it's not like it's specific to my company, but, you know, any jobs like that where they just kind of need people all the time, like, I mean, that, that's, that's where you as the individual kind of have the power because, you know, you, you know that they're always going to need people. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're just willing to, you know, work for a couple months and then not have any income while you hike for, you know, however long, five, six months, um, I mean, they'll usually work with you. When did you start the PCT? So I went southbound on the PCT. So I started, we started July 4th. Wow. Yeah. Why southbound? Um, well, so actually I had some friends. So the couple that I mentioned earlier that I like that had inspired me uh-huh. to, so they had attempted twice to do the PCT. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember. And they were, this was the year they were like, we're going to do it. Like if we, we're going to, this is our last attempt. Like if we don't get to do it, like we're just, we're done with this dream. We'll do something else. But like, this is going to be our last go at the PCT. And I was like, well, that's freaking cool. Cause I want to do the PCT. And that so, was kind of coincidence. You didn't plan the PCT based on them. Correct. Okay. Yeah. We just kind of, it just worked out that way. Okay. So, and then they had a buddy from the Colorado trail who's actually was finishing up his triple crown this year. And so he started with us. So we were like, yeah, like we should all start the PCT together. Um, and they they wanted to do southbound. And I was kind of looking into the weather and doing some research on, like, you know, what's the best way to do the PCT? Because, you know, with just wildfires out west, I mean, it's just – you just never know what you're going to get yourself into. And um, you want to make sure you're hitting the best parts of the trail in the best weather. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of made sense. Like, okay, southbound may be – Maybe the best shot we've got. Is that because most of the wildfires are like in the later summer or fall? Yeah. So the the wildfires start kind of in July, or at least they did, they did this year. So they start kind of in July, first of August, and they kind of start wrapping up at the end of August. Is kind of when they all start dying down. Did you make any major gear changes for that trail from the eighteen? Oh, I I changed everything. Oh, you did. I changed everything. Yeah. Did you go ultralight? I wouldn't say I went ultralight, but I went much lighter. I think my base weight was like 15 pounds. Wow. And that was, I mean, that was opposed to like 30 on the AT. What kind of pack so did you end up with? I ended up going with a, I went with the new um, Hyperlite pack, the the 40 liter Unbound. Um, and I loved that pack. It was a great pack. Um, and it really, for, and, and that's, that's why I liked it because it forced me to kind of like really think about my gear and kind of dial some things down. So... <sighs> Tell us, for, for those who don't know, what are the, some of the differences between the AT and the PCT? Um, well, the major difference is the scenery. Because the AT, until you get to, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's different because you've got like you've got some really big mountains in the south and you've got some really big mountains in the northeast and you've kind of got these rolling hills through the mid-atlantic and then virginia is like a weird mix of like kind of big mountains but also like these plateaus mm-hmm. um but as far as just like the flora and the fauna i mean it's I mean, you're hiking through the same kind of trees, the same kind of, like you're seeing the same kind of animals the whole way through. Like it's just very similar all along the way. Plus it's a lot of green tunnel. Um, so if you're not familiar with what the green tunnel is, it's like, you know, there's just, it's just, you're walking through forest all the time. Like there's not these just open expansive views. Um, every once in a while there are, but for the most part, you're walking through trees all day. Um, and that's just not the case on the PCT. I mean, it is, I mean, every, I would say every 200 miles is different. I mean, just completely different terrain completely different mountains and like snow-capped mountains and oh snow like these jagged rocky peaks these you know these just like lone volcanoes in oregon then you get down to like the the sierra nevada and it is i mean it, it is like the most unbelievable thing that you've ever seen in your life wow. I mean, you're you're walking through these just basically canyons like all these mountains are just so close together and you're just walking next to these like 3000 foot just cliff faces essentially and it's just like it's just unbelievable um wow. and then again like I, I went southbound so I'm, i mean i'm talking about it so at the very end i'm getting to the to the desert um and it just that's just totally different than everything else i mean everything's sharp and everything is um, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of snakes. Everything and wants to bite you. Yeah. Everything <laughs> wants to bite you. Everything wants to like, like one, one day Joshua trees actually are pretty sharp. Cause I went to go, I was like, Oh, that'd be kind of fun to like, I wonder what that's like to like wave my hand through. Like, I wonder if I can just like, you know, I wonder what that feels like. And I went straight in to like one of the ends of the leaves and it poked me right in between the fingers and it bled like a stuck pig. Really? Oh gosh. Yeah. So don't run your hand. Through Do you have a, a favorite? spot or section on the pct oh the sierra nevada i think that was like probably the three that i was in there for about three three and a half weeks um from i would say let's say south lake tahoe to yeah kennedy meadow south i mean that was like one of the best three weeks of my life i think i mean it was Man. just like we just got such good weather like it was it and it's funny because like last year on the pct they had 300 percent snowpack in the sierra um last winter and so i mean it everybody that went northbound this like this past year like it screwed up their entire trip because Mm. um like the sierra was just so bad as far as snow like i mean you had to have a mountaineering experience really to get through it and so a lot of people were having to just skip the sierra or you know do a lot of flip-flopping around and coming back to it at a later date but then you're worried about your permits and like you know if i flip up and then come back to this at a later date will my permits still be good and so you know, a lot of people were just super stressed, but, um, you know, by the time I got there with my southbound permit, I mean, it was like perfect. All the snow had melted. I mean, it was cold, but it was like, I never needed micro spites. I never needed an ax. I never needed any of the things that everybody talks about all the time. So I love Southern Appalachia, but that makes me want to go out there. Dude, you got to get out there. Especially with a camera. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. You could, knowing your talent. Yeah. 100%. You could you could do some damage with a camera out there, but what I'll say about the AT though, that I don't think you get as much on the PCT, is the AT is just is just so historic. Um, so there's just there's just years and years and years of 
trail angels and hostels and you know cultural like just stories and books and just all these things about the AT that just make it so special. I would imagine that the social element is not on the PCT as much. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely say that. It's it's if you start northbound, just from what I've heard, like you're going to get a very AT experience. Like there's just a lot of people all the time and you know you're going to get to overcrowded campsites and there's just a lot of people. But then, you know, as you get into cuz I mean the Sierra like, it's funny, like, we talked about it a lot, because, like, on the AT, I mean, really, the 100-mile wilderness is the only part that, like, you're not going through a town for 100 Like, that's by far the largest section of trail that you have to go through without a resupply. Okay. Um, whereas the PCT is, like, that's normal. I mean, my first, like, three or four weeks on the PCT was like that. It was, like, my the only resupply is, like, every 100 miles. Um, so and you hitch to town? Are there shuttles? That's the thing. There's that's the thing. Like there's no, there's not really shuttles. There's no hostels. Like you're just relying on a lot of hitches. Where that's not the case in the AT. Um, so, but that's one thing that like I laughed about a lot because you know, uh, oh, we got some, we got a lot of dogs running around here. So you may hear some you know, feet <laughs> prancing around and some barking, but that's okay. We're um, huts in the truck watching. <laughs> he's probably a little sad. He is sad. He's looking through the window. Well, we'll have to get him out after this is over. You know, uh, you know, uh, Honeybee and and some of that crew are hiking the PCT this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like this close to just going and following them. Oh, one hundred percent, you should. Mm. Yeah, if you can make that work, you should. But um, but yeah, but then what, but once you get to like the Sierra, if you're going northbound, a lot of people start. That's where a lot of people, I think, kind of split off or try to do different things. So the social life just kind of gets a little bit different because you just, you know, unless you're hiking with a group, you may be by yourself for long periods of time. And um, do you have to plan better, or do you just can you still just wing it? You can still wing it. You can still wing it. Um, when you get to Washington, that's where it gets a little bit tricky. Um, and I mean, you've got to like through the Sierra because there's no roads through the Sierra. Like when you hit Kenny Meadows South. The next paved road you cross, I think, is not for another, like, 250 miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, your resupplies, I mean, there's all kinds of, like, side trails, but they're long. Like, I mean, you hit Cottonwood Pass. I mean, that's that's 14 miles one way. Um, Kearsarge Pass is 7 miles one way. Bishop Pass is, like, 20 miles one way. You got to really want to go to town. Yeah, you really, yeah. You just got to be, you just have to, like, mentally prepare yourself for, like, really long food carries with a lot of elevation change. What about expenses? PCT versus AT, which costs more? You know, it's, I thought it was very comparable because the problem is like, like on the AT, like things are a lot cheaper, like hostels are a lot cheaper. Groceries are a lot cheaper, Um, but they're just so much more frequent. Like that's what I found myself. Cause like, I mean, you get to town, like you may, you may hitch to town, you may get a shuttle to town and you hit, you get some groceries and then you're like, well, like, I stop and eat real quick and at a restaurant. And then, you know, you get to see and you get to hanging out with other hikers that you see around town. And then you're like, well, you know, I could, I could probably stay at a hostel. I mean, it's what, what, 20, 30 bucks. Um, and that just, that just, ha- I, I was, I could get sucked in. So I could get vortexed like nobody else. So, yes, yeah, so I would just spend a lot of money on the AT just because, you know, I just, was, it was, it was easier just, to do. Yeah, exactly. What are you barking at? Buddy, chill. I think. Was he jealous because I was petting Rip? Probably. He's yeah. He's a one, this is a <laughs> so Rip is a like a blue healer. Yeah, he's a blue healer. And then 
Buddy's Buddy. I don't know what Buddy is. Buddy's a one-eyed, jealous dog. Yeah, he's he's tiny. <laughs> he's about a third the size of Rip. <laughs> That's funny. Do you have a favorite hostel on the AT? Oh man, um, I really liked the main roadhouse. Mm. Yeah, it was awesome. These two ladies that run it are just like they're so nice, the and gyms. they just have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The gins. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they're, they're both named like Jennifer. Yeah. So the gins. And one had blue hair, so we called her, or she called herself Blue Jen. And yeah. the other one. I don't know, but they were really nice. They have a really cool bus that they pick up hikers in. And I thought that town was really. That, I mean, that tiny yeah. little town. I stopped by there just randomly and hung out with her for a while. And um, she's actually going to be in the Metro Atlanta area next month so i'm gonna try to get her on a podcast oh yeah you should that'd be yeah. cool yeah because i loved her hostel it, they just it's such it's so clean and it's just not like they just they're they're good they, they just run the hostel really well um but i also loved my experience at the cabin in andover maine you ever heard about the cabin yes i actually went there yeah it took me two days to find them and they the the <laughs> like the older lady that runs it, yeah yeah she didn't want to participate yeah she's like a She's like a 90-something-year-old lady. Yeah, I walked been... up the stairs, and she's uh, like these steep stairs. She's yeah, sitting yeah. in like a recliner watching the TV, wearing hike, like a dress and hiking boots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's awesome. She, I, like that hostel has been around for like, gosh, 40, 40 or 50 years, and it's run out of her home. And, I mean, she's got Earl Schaefer's. Um, it was like his 50th anniversary hike. So Earl Schaefer is the first thru-hiker on the AT. Right. And, um, she, for his, like, I don't know, 50th year anniversary of him hiking the trail, uh, he stayed with her and he's like signed her, ta- like underneath her table, she gets all the through hikers to sign. And so Earl Schaefer wrote his name real big. And, nice. Um, that's such a cool little town and like all the little back roads towns in Maine, like there's no fast food, there's no dollar stores. There's like one little convenience store that looks about like this cabin and they make breakfast, and they make pizza, and they make food. It's also the game-checking station. So there might be people outside checking in a, a bear or a moose. and like It's like the, the actual gathering place for the little community. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's kind so of the, cool. It's like the, the last of the Andy Griffith show towns, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I was at Andover, and I'd gotten a pizza, came outside to eat it with Hut, and some guys pull up with bears that they had hunted, and hanging him up, and he starts talking to me about what I'm doing. He's more excited about what I'm doing than I was about what they were doing. He gave me some bear sausage and some whoopie pies and all this stuff, and it's like, hey, I got a, I rented a house over there for hunting season. You can go stay in it and do laundry if you want. And it's like, it was crazy. Oh, that's cool. How was the bear sausage? Uh, it was a little bit gamey. Yeah. It, it's like um, bear sauce. It was like a summer sausage. Okay. With jalapeno in it. Um, it was a little bit gamey, but when I uh, like chopped it up and kind of sautéed it and then made ramen with it, it was really, really good. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I've I've heard bear is like really greasy and like not very good, but I've also heard people say that like if you cook it right, yeah, it's amazing. So, but also, you know, if you eat a summer sausage, yeah, it's all fatty and greasy anyway. Right. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So it's no worse than that. Right. Okay. So think about this. Um, for people that are aspiring to do some epic adventures, 
such as such as the ones you've done what what kind of advice would you give to newbies Oh man. Um or somebody who just graduated from college and in that corporate job just like hating life. Yeah, like you were. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say like especially for those who may who like you said, just graduated from college, corporate life, like maybe you don't like you're you're probably living in an apartment. You're probably not married. You're probably maybe you're in a serious relationship, but like you could probably get off you could probably get by with like six months off of like, you know, seeing your significant other or whatever. Um I would say, I would say, I would say go for it. Like, I would say just commit and go for it. You don't have to, you don't have to know anything about it. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, be an expert on gear. You don't, you don't have you, to train with iron skillets. You don't have to train with iron skillets. <laughs> you don't even have to go on a, a previous backpacking trip. I mean, I've, I've heard plenty of people who yeah. are like, I've never even been backpacking before. And my first backpacking trip was the AT. Um, actually, a friend of mine, her name was Daisy. And that's how she was. She'd never slept in a tent before. And she hiked the entire AT. Yep. Um, and so I, I would say if, if you're if you're wanting to do some adventure, if you think that's if the, you think that's within your power to do, and you think that's something that like you know you're capable of doing, like just go for it. Um, I mean, you're especially again. Let's talk about that demographic. I mean, you're at a place where you're young enough to where it's not going to matter. I mean, you can always come back and start another job. You can probably, I mean, if you've got the, the the degree, if you've got the experience, like somebody will end up hiring you again. Like it's not the end of the world if you just up and leave your life to go hike a trail. Yeah. Way so, better than waiting till retirement. 100%. It's doable. 100% is doable. But I did, I mean, that is something I talked to a lot of section hikers about who were a little bit older. They would just be like, you know, like I really wish I'd done this when I was like, a younger person. Like, I wish I had just taken the time to do it. Cause you know, I probably would have been in better shape. I would have felt better. And you know, I just, you know, it, it just, it would have been fun to do that with some buddies way back in the day. So you hiked the AT immediately turned around and hiked the PCT. What's next? Oh man, that is, you know, that's a question I get a lot. It's really funny because like, you know, when I first started thinking about the AT, it was like, everybody was like, like, that's stupid. Like, why would you do that? And I was just getting all this crap from people. Um, like it's but, a pointless goal. Right, exactly. Yeah. But you know what's funny, though, is now that I've done these two trails and they saw how cool it was, they're like, oh, like, what are you going to do now? Like, the same people who were giving me crap are now like, oh, this is so great and so cool. I'm like, yeah, it's just you just needed to know. Like, you just, somebody needed to show you, and I'm happy to have been that person. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've... I would like to do, I would like to, you know, finish up my triple crown at some point. I also know myself enough to know I'm, I'm a, I'm a social individual and the CDT, I know I could do it, but just being by myself, cause that's just a whole different beast. And that's like a, that's like, you like to, you either are a glutton for punishment or you just like to be alone. Just you and the grizzly bears. Yeah, no, I just, I'm not here for that by myself. Okay. Um, do you think that these experiences though have changed the way that you are going to navigate your future? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's just given me confidence to know that like, you know, I can, I can do whatever. I can always continue to create myself and do whatever I want to do. Um, it's just a matter of kind of like, you know, figuring out what those things are. I mean, I mean, we have a very short life we live. Right. And so it's just, We've got to steward our time well and kind of make sure that, you know, with, with the, the minutes, the seconds, the days that we have left, like 
we're, we're, we're getting what we want out of it. But yeah, I think just knowing that I, I've done a through hike, I, I, I can, I can do that. Like with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of hard work, a little bit of just kind of knowing what I want. Like I can, I can make the steps for that to happen. You um, think you'll continue to work like the type of work you're doing now so that you can have the time to just check out and go, even if it's not a hike, just some kind of other adventure or something like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was funny. Cause uh, even my boss was like, when I got back, he was like, man, are you going to do anything else? And I was like, well, I mean, are you expecting me to do anything else? <laughs> and he was like, well, I mean, it just kind of seems like that's just something you're doing. But yeah, but I mean, there's always, I mean, I would love to get into, to like some mountaineering. I actually, um, I don't know, like a, a Kilimanjaro. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like that's really been on my mind like a lot recently. I mean, that's a, that's a beast of a mountain, but it's like, it's a, that's a solid 10 days. And I'm like, I can do 10 days. Yeah. It's really interesting to me how many young people I've met while working on this project that, and I don't know if it has anything to do with COVID or not, because I know that did take a toll on a lot of people, but the number of people I've met that just kind of said, screw it with like the corporate path and the traditional jobs and careers and savings and security, I guess, the financial security, and have just gone out to do some adventure and realize that, hey, I can go work whatever job, service industry, or whatever it might be that I don't have to sell my soul to, save some money, go have an adventure, come back and work some more, go have an adventure. I think that's I don't know, maybe it's always been going on, but I haven't seen that, you know, in, in young people. And I think it's really cool to see people just kind of go, you know, exercise their freedom. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I think, I think you know, back to COVID and how so many companies went remote. Um, I mean, a lot of people my age were able to, you know, buy a van and do van life and go oh, yeah. work remotely from wherever. And then, uh, I mean... I don't know what you think about this guy, but shout out to, you know, Elon Musk for Starlink. I mean, now you can be anywhere in your van and get uh, some sort of Wi-Fi. Yep. So, I mean, there's just so much opportunity now for people my age to to kind of have some sort of adventurous lifestyle and really think more about. And I don't know. I mean, you see it on Instagram and just different social media accounts. And so it's definitely people are people are seeing that that's possible. And so it's I think it's giving people encouragement and you know, helping people think a little bit more about their life and take it a little bit more seriously, maybe. Yeah. As far as what they want to do. I like um, it. I mean, I I spent years and years in that world and it just soul sucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but you know that but but it, I mean you say that too about it's been going I mean like I I know people who have I guess the early adopters of that kind of lifestyle who've been doing it for, you know, years. But Yeah. I, I guess, guess I wasn't tuned into the granola hippie sprinkle fairy dust culture yeah i mean younger yeah i it 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 just i I feel very fortunate to have met some of the friends that i've made because i don't think i don't think without them that the you know the granola the granola dust would have spread to me as well so good for them yeah great for them so what else you got any parting words advice stories man I, i i mean i've always got a good story or a or uh, some advice for future through hikers. Um, I mean, don't be don't be afraid. Don't be scared. 
just go do it. Uh, you know, people were always talking about like safety and they were just worried about hitchhiking or, you know, like, do you, like, do you hear a gun? I mean, I'm from the Southeast. Like first question is, is like, why are you doing this? That's stupid. The second question is, uh, are you going to carry a weapon? Yeah. And when I tell them, well, I, I don't think it's that stupid and no, I'm not carrying a weapon. They just, they think I'm just like out of my mind. Yeah. You really don't even need a knife except to cut cheese. I didn't even, <laughs> you know, I didn't even carry a knife on the PCT. I carried a little pocket knife and I never used it on the AT. So I was like, uh-uh, not even going to take a knife. That's funny. Well, man, I just want to appreciate you or, or thank you for being on here. It's really cool to hear your story. And I hope, I think, I hope that other people will kind of hear that path that you were on of like, I I did what I thought I was supposed to be doing, realized that it was not fulfilling and just changed it. Yeah. Did something different. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you've got the power and like you really, you really have more power of your life than you think you do. Now it's, it is terrifying. Now don't get me wrong. I like, don't hear me say that I'm like, that I've got this all figured out because I'm still figuring it out every day and it is terrifying, but it's, it is not the end of the world. You know, like you can 100% come back after a through hike and if you're, and reinvent yourself. You can always reinvent yourself. Yeah, you can always go back to the, the, the misery. One hundred percent. It's gonna be there. Trust me, it's gonna be there. And they'll be glad to have you back. They'll be glad to take your soul again. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, man, I just appreciate you being on here, and uh, thanks for inviting me over to this little cabin. I took some pictures and video, and we'll show it to everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm glad you got to come. This was cool. Thanks, man. And again, thanks to Uncle Doug for uh, letting us use his place. Thanks, Uncle Doug. Thanks for joining us today on the Hiker Trash Podcast. If you'd like to support this project, you can go buy a coffee table book or a fine art print. You can do it at our website, localexposuremagazine.com. You can show some love to Scott Lowe. He provided the music for today's episode. You can find him on Instagram at Scott Lowe Songs. Hey, if you enjoy this, tell someone. Send them a text, make a post, talk about it. And stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.